Welcome to Business Unfiltered, where we dive into the raw and unfiltered world of running a business with Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Grab a seat for this unfiltered journey into the world of entrepreneurship. This is Business Unfiltered. Welcome back to Business Unfiltered. Jeff Sauer here, joined as always by my friend Mercer. And today we're going to be talking about teaching old dogs new tricks. Now, I'm not going to project that we're the old dogs here, but we might be. But also, the, the whole idea here is, what do you do um, to keep up to date with things that are going on? So I'm going to hand it over to you and help you define the topic for me. What do we, what do we mean here when we say teaching old dogs new tricks? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, we're the oldest of dogs, you know, <laughs> kind of in our companies. And, it, and for me, it's, it's, it's like staying, keeping things fresh, being open to new ideas, being open to new tech. I mean, imagine what's going on with AI and all that sort of fun stuff. Uh, being open to new infrastructure, uh, new measurement tech, new marketing tech, right? All the fun stuff that's out there. So it's, it's kind of keeping things fresh while at the same time, I think there's value to being the old dog, right? So it's like using the experience, but not getting you know trapped into your own beliefs that you're accidentally limiting yourself. Um, how about from your perspective? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Definitely. I'm the oldest dog in my business. Sometimes I feel like an old dog. Sometimes I feel like a young pup, right? Um, but the reality here is that you have to update your mindset, your skill set, and everything around you. You have to keep it up to date. Otherwise, um, you know, the forces of nature are working against you. One of the things that I tell everybody who is in business for themselves or that's in a small business is that basically the world doesn't care if you exist or not. You do, right? So you have to keep on doing things to give yourself a competitive edge to stay up to date with things. And what worked a while ago probably won't be working for you in the future because this, the market that we chose and the market that a lot of people hang in is changing all the time. Like if you had a right. successful, really small business, um, local business in, in your local area 20 years ago, the methods of marketing are completely turned over. Those, those old ways don't really exist anymore, right? So you can't just, you have to learn new things um, or have some level of trust that those new things are going to be there. Otherwise, your business doesn't exist anymore because of the factors that are around you, right? So basically, how do you stay up to date? Yet, and then how do you make a choice as to whether this is something you should be pursuing or not, right? That's the other thing. Just because it's current doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. And so I'd love to hear what you think about that. You know, like this idea of new is not always better, but how do you, right. how do you decide? Like, what's a strategy for deciding that you need something new versus do the tried and true thing or do the old thing that's out there? Because that is really oftentimes a decision point that makes or breaks this thing. I think we all agree that new technology in time could be our future, but is it our is it our now? That's that's the really big strategy question we have to answer. Yeah, and it's it's funny because I have two phrases that are going in my, off in my head right now. One is, um, you know, if it isn't broken, don't don't fix it, right? And the other one is move fast and break things. Mm -hmm. And they seem to be diametrically opposed, but I think they both have a point to play, right? Like they're both two sides of the same coin, kind of in my head. Like you need that push and pull. Um, so, for example, like I think we're all going through this to some extent with AI and automation all the different stuff that is now available that can help you automatically get things done faster, you know, than you could do it yesterday because now there's new tech that does that stuff. So for example, it used to be somebody would go in and they would take a video and they would upload it to Rev, remember Rev.com, you know, and you had a human who would transcribe it. And then Rev started figuring out, hey, we can do automation. And they started doing that, which was, which was kind of cool. But then all of a sudden you have platforms like Google Meet that automatically do the recordings and transcribe and Zoom's doing this stuff. Like everyone's getting into this game now, right? So all of that sort of stuff minimizes what 
the same exact thing you were doing just makes it better. So it's like, in that case, I see the point and I'm like, okay, let's go ahead and move fast and, and move into that area, right? We're not going to just keep doing it the same way because that's the way we, we used to do it. Um, at the same time, I think there's a lot of trendy, faddish stuff in AI that is a mistake, right, uh, for some things. So for example, we use WordPress. Now, again, we're legacy architecture. I know I've been in the WordPress world for a while. Um, and, and I really like that platform. I think it's robust. I think it's flexible. I think I can do anything I want with it. And yet today, if I was my younger version of the self starting out, maybe I would be doing Airflow or sorry, Airtable with Webflow and it's all connected and automated and, and doing that. Now I can look at that and say, hey, that's equally feasible, but I don't see the benefit of switching over everything in the company and all the effort it would take to recalibrate all the things that we deliver through WordPress. So that would be you know, where I say, okay, I'm going to stay with, hey, if it's not broken, let's not go and rush to fix this thing right yet. Um, so do you have any examples kind of how you think through which direction to go? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like, I think that when you say move fast and break things, then you say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, move fast and break things was the the Facebook motto as they were getting started, right? Yep. That was their their thing, and and basically Silicon Valley in general, yeah. right? That's kind of yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And guarantee that 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 as they become more successful and they have more to lose, then they're they're not thinking that way, right? But right. they definitely aren't in the world of they're not they're not looking to break things, but they are looking to make sure that, you know, to, to ride the hot hand, but then also they're always looking for ways to make new revenue. Right. So they're, they're not like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it either. So they're not breaking things, um, in the same way, but, but they are trying to satisfy a shareholder, which is make more money, right. Add products. Right. Basically that's it. So, so for example, when it, when it did break the tracking thing they had, yeah, they had to fix it. Right. So they, 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 they you know, that, that makes sense. And that that's there. And I think there is a downside to breaking things. And that's sort of a, it, it depends on the maturity of your business. If your business has a lot to lose, then you don't really want to break things. Right. Um, and so that, that's, that's, I think it really just depends on where the business is at. Now, AI is a really interesting thing because some things are broken that led us to AI, you know, then you think about it, like rev.com, was sort of broken to me and I never really used it. I'd rather like use, instead of using a service, I'd rather use like the, the cost per minute and everything like that was not, you know, it was, it was high enough that I was like, do I really need this thing? Right. Or do I just yep. pay somebody? Do I cut out the middleman? And do I just go right to that? Now AI is the middleman, right? Um, AI is the, the things out there. So it is, it is there. It is interesting, but it does have a downside. Like you mentioned, like, for example, I'm hiring for an, a job position right now. And I did, I've done, before recording this, I did seven interviews in two days, right? Seven 15 to 20 minute interviews. Um, and I got hundreds of applications and I just weeded out people who I could tell was written by AI because everyone looks the exact same. Like if you look at 10 things at the same time, you can, I'm actually pretty good at detecting AI. What yeah. AI does is like somebody says, what are your job skills? And they go, here's an example. They go, I'm really proficient at photo. I'm, I'm really proficient at photo editing tools like Canva, Photoshop, Figma, like, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, so you do all those things. You're like, cause anybody who knows what they're talking right. about is basically wouldn't do all those things. I like, I, I use database tools like Looker Studio, Power BI, Tableau. <laughs> and, and it's like, okay, nobody in their right mind would use all those things. Right. It's like, right. you know, so it's, it's obvious that, that was written by like, what are the database tools or what are the things that are out there? Right. So yeah. that's like AI given the best case scenario. And I actually just weeded people out of that. Or they, when they were doing research, they'd all come up with the same article. And like, this is an example. It's like, okay, well, if seven people submit this thing. It means it's a sign of laziness, right? So I think that we still have to have that human filter. 
But I think that AI largely is something that's good. We've talked about it a lot, right? It, it, so it's necessary. And that is probably the latest in the last year. That is the biggest advancement that's been out there. However, there's a lot of other things that, that are coming along as well. You talked about upgrading your tech stack, right? Um, I'm talking, I, for me, it's like, how do I look at, like, how do I build a funnel for marketing? You know, do I do I use yeah. the same old WordPress landing page? Do I use an all-in-one platform? Do I use something like ClickFunnels? Um, I'm talking, I'm, I'm working on a book funnel. It should be maybe released by the time this episode goes out there. But uh, the person I'm working with is like, yeah, I'm using Go High Level. He's like, basically, all these other tools don't really need to do what I need it to do. I'm, I'm using high level as my platform. It's like, Oh, that's interesting. You know? So it's like an all in one. It's like yeah. high level. It barely existed three years ago. It was something yeah. that I did a wet, like I talked to the founder of it and he was like selling me on why this is a good idea. And I was like, and he was like, I was in a position where he was begging me to try it. And now I can't even get on their calendar. Right. I reached out to them a couple of years later, um, like last year. And they're like, yeah, we don't have time for you. You're too small for us. And it's like, OK, so that, that you know, that's that's how much things change. Like yeah. they're begging and then suddenly they're too big. Um, and that's a cool thing, though. It's great that they're successful. But if you ignore high level or if you look at like, hey, here's how I ran my agency 10 years ago. Um well, now you can run it all in one platform. So it's an all-in-one platform, the way to go. I did the same thing with my, with I, I switched to Kajabi because it was all-in-one versus having to deal with my WordPress stuff. I still love WordPress, but I was like, okay, well, this is getting in the way of this technical debt of maintaining my own WordPress system was actually getting in the way of where I want to go with the curriculum. Like, what am, what am I doing? Am I, am I a maintenance person or am I going to move forward? So, um, yeah, I go through that a lot. Sorry, I'm rambling a little bit here, but like, that's basically like every system. Sometimes I just ask myself, do I need to do it this way anymore? Or is there something else out there that's better? So I generally reevaluate every system that I use at least once every two years to say, is this the right thing anymore? Um, do I get rid of it all the time? No, but I definitely reevaluate. Do you do that same thing? Do you, you know, when you look at old dogs, new tricks, are you thinking more in the terms of the technology stack, like technical debt, or are you thinking more like other things, you know, like basically learning a new skill or learning a new, new part of, of being a business owner? Is it all the above? Yeah, I think it's all the above. It's like a yes and, right? Uh, you know, I think everything, I think tech stacks have to be reevaluated. I think you have to, you know, because all I'm doing is whatever I did yesterday was the way I did it yesterday. Doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it's the same way I have to do it today. Doesn't mean it doesn't have to be the same way either. And I'm sort of 50 50 split. And I try to do my best with that mentality because I think it keeps me as objective as possible, uh, even though I'm sure there's a little bit of bias, you know, here or there. But, um, but I think to your point, like when you're, when you've got, let's say you've got a team member who's been around for a little bit and they quote unquote know the job, but you know, maybe they're not evolving as much. Right. Mm -hmm. I think, I think as an, I think as an owner, as a, as the entrepreneur, as a team lead, you're almost forced to be a little bit more on the cutting edge because that's, that's how, what that role requires in order for the company to be successful. Because let's face it, if, if we didn't do that and we just keep, and we just doggedly stayed stubborn, you would be out of business, right? That's yeah. the, the markets evolve. And if you didn't evolve with that, and if you didn't change how things were done, then it'd be done. Right. Um, but if for a team member who's, a, who's a little bit lower down on the totem pole, who, who's in the weeds a little bit more, they don't really have that that viewpoint. So they may not naturally be making that decision. So how do you handle that? Like, how do you, how do you go to a team member and say, listen, we got to uplevel their skills or we have to change, change the way that they're uh, kind of doing it. Like, have you, have you run into that at all? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you actually, you were a trigger for us. <laughs> like we weren't doing project management very well. My team was practically begging us for project management. And then you and I started talking about it and I was like, oh, 
here's a guy that knows what he's doing. Here's a, here's a method for doing that. And so I, we invested in up-leveling our team in project management and the investment means we paid for software. We paid for, well, we, we, we paid for training. Let's say we paid for training, um, or we did training in kind because we were already working on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you were actually very generous with your time to keep us up to date. And I was like, man, this is crazy. Like how much they're keeping this thing up to date. So I didn't even, I wasn't even aware there was a problem as much until I started talking about it. So, um, one thing is how do you identify the problem and how do you know that it's there? So I, I had written down, like, as we get into tactics, like what are tactics for staying up to date? You know, um, I wrote down newsletters, like there's newsletters that are from, you know, neutral sources that are sponsored. There's newsletters from software, like software tells you the updates that are there. So I read the updates to the software that I use to see what's in there. And can I implement the new stuff? You know, ClickUp has a 3.0. Is that something that we can, you know, how does that work with what you're doing? Kajabi updates stuff for our platform. What is that doing for us? So newsletters and emails is definitely a way to stay up to date. It's sort of surface level though, very rarely. You have to actually click through or do something. It's really more of a medium that, that, that brings it forward. YouTube is a way to stay up to date. Um, your employees can be, you know, they. I assume they're going to search on YouTube first or find YouTube as their way to find new techniques that they don't know what to do. Even customer support, like support lines on the software you're using. I tell my team, go figure out if they've answered this question before and then submit a ticket if you don't know the answer. Right? I don't know the answer, right? Like, so be resourceful. Um, and then the, the podcasts, like our podcast, I've learned a lot just from talking to you. Hope, hopefully our listeners have learned a lot too by, by our shared perspective. Employees, specifically courses. Like I think we sort of, we exist because we want, we created our courses because we want to keep people up to date, right? That's the whole point of keeping people up to date. And then the other thing, I last thing, two things I had was just networking or talking to other people, which is probably not on an employee level, like your team, probably not doing that as often as, as the founders are or the, the leadership team is. But you know now conferences are coming back. Like how much can somebody learn by attending Measure Summit for the three-day session, right? Probably a lot, probably things they didn't know. Um, how much do you learn by going to a conference and just talking to people after the fact? And it's, and it's going through things. So those are ways that people can do it. They have varying degrees of, of cost, varying degrees of return on your time investment. But those are all ways that you can that you can do that, right? It's really just getting yourself out there. This is part of the reason why I was why I love the agency world that I that I spent a lot of my time in is I always tell people like you're in house, you have one set of experiences when you work for a company, like if you're my client, you, you're in-house, you, you do the stuff for that company. I'm pollinating ideas like a bee on flowers, right? I'm like, I'm like in 14 different clients a month. I, I'm telling you what's working. I can be the one that gives you the trends. Um, so you need those connectors really that are able to, to get the ideas to spread. How about you? Do you, do you look at it that way? How do you, how do you keep a team trained? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, mastermind groups are good. Again, for, for, I think the owner level, the team leads level, right? Cause you're, you're dealing with other people at your level who are also kind of exploring in different markets and they can come back with new and interesting things. I think a vastly underutilized one is just paying attention to your emails. Um, for example, Google sends out emails all the time about Google Analytics 4 when Universal was going away. And I, you know, I, we had a ton of clients who when their Universal account shut down, you know, we had this big student rush all of a sudden because they're like, hey, what's this thing about Universal going away? It's just stopped working because they weren't paying attention to the emails that Google was sending out. They sent out practically hundreds of those things. Uh, more recently, Speaking of, uh, this is coming up in February. So at this point, we're weeks away from this change. The idea of email, 
and what Google and, and, and Yahoo and everybody else are kind of doing with the clampdown on email has caused, if you're not familiar with this, because you weren't, you know, either a mastermind groups or networking or paying attention to emails because they are sending you emails about these changes or your CRM certainly are, um, the ESPs, right? Like if anything like that, that is sending you that information, you've got to sort of perk up and be like, oh, okay, I've got to learn this thing because maybe you didn't have DKIM or SPF or DMARC settings. And you're like, what the heck is that? I thought email was email. It's like, nope, it's a whole other thing. Time to learn a new trick, old dog, right? And you have to go in there and realize that these are things that have to be taken care of, or you just hire an expert. That's another good tactic, right? Where, you know, maybe you don't have to be the one that has to actually have the tactics to fix, right? It's not your trick, but you know that the trick has to happen. So bring in the vendor who has those magic tricks, right? Um, yeah. And bring those in. And in fact, that's what we're going through. Um, you know, when we did that, we did that in um, the latter part of 2023 to prep for all this, right? To bring right. in an email deliverability expert that made sure everything was set and went through our workspace accounts and sort of reset everything with the the newest uh, kind of the, the new way of doing it. Um, I, I think also just a, as a tactical question, in order to cause, because I think this is the hardest thing, is to cause that thought of could we do this a different way is just making sure that you are constantly asking yourself that question just as a habit because yeah. you don't naturally do that. I think most people don't, right? They're sort of in the weeds too much and, and go, go, go. But to pop your head out, kind of like that meerkat, right? You pop your head out of the out of the hole and you can see the kind of the overall and be like, okay, is this still the way we should be doing this? Because a lot of times the tools you use evolve to the point where you don't you don't do it this way anymore. Uh, measurement happens all the time, which is probably why we're so attuned to this because the measurement tech constantly changes. Tag Manager, you know, sets up Google Analytics for one way and then six months later they go, nope, we're gonna set it up a different way now. Uh, and you have to get in there and realize, okay, here's this new way of doing it. This is a better way. We have to go back and retro back and pull everything up into the new way of doing it because it's more efficient or gives more flexibility, uh, you know, or something like that. So I think, you know, asking that question over and over and over again is the primary tactic that we use. Is this the best possible way that we could be doing this right now? Now, if there's a new way of doing it, let's say automation in terms of measurement, right? There's a lot of stuff you can do with APIs and everything else that can automatically set up stuff. And there's a lot of that stuff out there now. Um, but should you do it? And here's here's a perfect example of that. Um, SQL queries, right? Big queries, a huge thing. Everyone's getting databases now and first party databases. And um, But when all of that starts coming into play, you have to learn this whole new platform called BigQuery or somebody in your team does. And in that, because it's a database, you've got to go through these SQL queries that you've got to create. Well, then somebody says, well, hey, ChatGPT can write SQL queries. It's like, okay, that's a cool way to do SQL queries, but is it going to be the best tool? Right? Or is it going to give you a lot of false positives? Is it going to be as efficient as it should be? So that's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, maybe not yet, but let's keep an eye on it. And we constantly evaluate. It doesn't mean that we're going to be right. Um, it doesn't mean that we're necessarily wrong. And we just think about it in terms of probabilities. And that probability filter is what gets us into the action. It's like, okay, you know, maybe there's a slight chance to be better, but it's a slight chance. Let's not put all the effort into it. But if it's like, hey, there's a better than average chance things are going to improve. Okay, maybe now it's worth the investment in time, effort, and energy, right? Whatever the resources are. Um, so that's kind of our decision process for, for stopping, taking a beat to say, okay, which direction do we want to go? Should we make a left or a right or go straight and having that evaluation moment? Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, that's almost like a who, not how embodiment is like, you know, I, a lot of times, like I say, I use an all-in-one platform. The all-in-one platform is a who for me, right. but, but my whole career, I've been a how I've been like other people's how I know how to get things done. So sometimes you have to decide Am I going to be the one that knows how to do this thing? Am I going to be the one that learns an API, adjusts to it? Or am I going to be the one who hires a who, right? And, and that's another business maturity thing. The more money you have, the more 
income you have, the more you can afford to hire who's versus versus being the how yourself, right? So there's some interesting things there. You also touched upon, like, is there any repercussions of switching? You know, you mentioned there's a new way to do GA4. Yeah, they, they've, they've updated it multiple times, you know, since they released it, which is sort of insane. But the funny thing is that if you still had Urchin analytics installed on your site from 2005, 2006, it still works. So if you have urchin.js, it still collects data and you still get most of your reports. So it's like, okay, well, how bad do you need that tracking code? Um, I sort of like Google analytics for, well, I mean, I, if anybody who's read my emails and my blog and stuff like that, we we're all about it. Right. But I always just call it the great reset. Like it basically is the first time that people actually have to be deliberate about what data they collect and why they're doing it and understanding what they have. And that is a big change. That's why people are so upset about it. I mean, that's why so everybody who works in SEO, who works in email marketing, who works in something that's adjacent, like they need Google analytics data, mm-hmm. but they don't, but they don't consider themselves experts and it just used to work and now it doesn't work how they wanted it to. They're mad because it's not as simple. It went from being a marketer's tool to being an analyst's tool. And uh, okay, well, do you want to become a marketer and analyst? That's an old dog, new trick thing. That's a who moved yeah. my cheese thing, right? Like, okay, yeah. what happened here? Um, but the, the reality is that are you going to get the results you're looking for? It doesn't really matter whether you're happy about it or not. I'm not happy. I wasn't happy about it either. I'd rather have that. I'd rather they just did the back end of GA4 and the data collection, but then they kept the old interface the exact same because I thought the inter- old interface was was near perfect. I liked it a lot, right? I liked the colors. I liked everything about it. Now that it's there, yeah, I still don't love the way that it looks and, and they made a lot of mistakes, but it, ultimately they, they had their hand forced. They can't, they had to because of all the different technologies that are out there. So it's not just internal reasons that you need to change. A lot of times we need to change because of external stuff too. Like we don't really have a choice. And this isn't a new thing. I mean, it, we're, we're, we've, we've lived in a pretty sheltered world over the last several years or, you know, several decades, right? But before this, before that time, things were changing a lot, you know, and people just had to deal with it. It's just how it was. Um, now, as far as signals that you need to learn something new, that's something I wanted to talk to you about, right? Um, to me, it's actually pretty obvious if you're close to the data. So if you're, if you're sending emails out, how would you know that you need DKM? We can you can read newsletters and you can read articles. I, I implemented it from day one. Like I won't use an email platform that doesn't have authentication because my old company sent a bunch of emails and I was like, I want to be in the primary tab. I want to be on the primary tab of everybody's inbox. Like I want it to look like it. I sent it to you personally. So that was always a mission that I had um, with my emails, right? Um, that's something that I pride myself on is that it looks like Jeff sent me the email and people can't distinguish between me sending a Gmail one or a broadcast email, right? But yep. how do you know that you need it otherwise if you're not if you're not a nerd and you're not trying to be ahead of the game or you're not obsessive about something or you didn't do it as a career? Metrics, data, that is what being data-driven is, is that you look at your data and you say, oh yeah, my open rate was in the 50% back in the day. Now it's at 20%. What is going on? Or my click-through rate used to be really high. Now it's not there. What is going on? Why is my click-through rate so poor? Then you start to say, okay, well, how do I fix this thing? Well, there's been a lot of signals out there that this is happening for multiple years. It's not a new thing. Any of these things aren't really new, but they might be new to you or they might be more urgent now because the things are changing. And so that's part of old dog, new tricks is sometimes external things force your hand. Um, so you, you have to, you don't really have a choice. Um, the only way you know that it forced your hand is if you do, if you have data. Now, the reason why things like radio ads and, and, you know, TV is not as bad, but like print and stuff like that. The reason why all these things stopped working is because they didn't really have data. 
right? The reason why we got into digital marketing is because this was data. It had data, right? Um, that was a really important thing. And we're like, wow, this is measurable. Um, so, so yes, it's nice that we can measure it, but as the, 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 the way that we measure it is actually changing and, and has a lot of um, things that we need to adjust to as well. So it's not just that we're data-driven now, it's remaining data-driven or using that data as a signal, actually using it, right? Um, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been able to just look at the data and then know that something was changing before anybody else? Or is that something that, that happens with you guys? Yeah, for sure. Like that's that, the whole idea of data gives you trends and patterns. If you can see the trends and patterns coming in, you can make decisions faster, right? So I use it constantly for that. And even bigger than the word data, because I think that freaks out a lot of people. So I sort of think about it just in terms of systems and making sure that you've got a system. And in order to have a complete system, you have to have feedback coming back into that system so it can improve. It's a mistake people make with systems all the time is they don't add feedback loops. Well, if you don't have a feedback loop, the system can't evolve. In other words, it can't make changes. And I'll give you a very simple, you know, for those listening, a very simple way that you can add a feedback loop to all of your systems is just ask what worked, what didn't, what's next. That's it. Just add that piece in. And we do this every week as a team. I do it with my leadership team. Going back to the idea of how do you evolve leaders in your organization? Because if somebody's starting out just as a VA, how do you turn them into a project manager? How do you take that project manager and turn them into an operations director, right? Like you've got to constantly ask what worked, what didn't, what's next? Okay, how are we going to grow your skills? Oh, that didn't quite work. All right, well, let's learn this new thing right? Oh, this new feature in ClickUp just came out. Can we take advantage of that? Right? Or can you take advantage of that if that's their particular role and constantly uh, focusing them on that? The other thing about what's working, uh, what didn't and what's next and using that sort of methodology, and I mean, consistently using it, is it helps you match up the timing a little bit better. Because there's a lot of problems with people using the wrong tricks at the wrong time, you know? Uh, and, and then that's the idea is you want to you use the right trick at the right time so you can actually move things forward. And if you're constantly evaluating, right, what worked, what didn't, what's next, you start to evaluate when you can, you, know, like you might say, okay, well, automation, the SQL query stuff, going back to that, you know, a little more technical example, but the idea of it, you know, or copyright, let's just say that. Copywriters, you have a copywriter coming in. Should we use ChatGPT instead? Well, maybe. It depends what you're getting from the copywriter. So if the copywriter is giving you basically generic stuff, maybe you've hired somebody that's more on the copy cub just starting out, uh, just learned copy. Well, they might not be able to beat ChatGPT because you can have it do copy in the voice of whoever great copywriter you want to put in there, and it'll it'll mimic and and get you a pretty good result. Maybe it's about eighty percent that you could get from from a copy cub, right? Those those more inexperienced copywriters that's probably the right trick at the right time, if that's all you need. And then there's the higher level, sort of the copy editor, those copy chiefs, those individuals who really look for the open loops, the persuasive, the psychology behind it, understanding persuasion uh, inside and out from a psychological perspective that ChatGPT doesn't do, right? It's just gonna mimic somebody who did that. So it's not gonna get the same result. And so maybe you get a better result from them. So maybe you don't use ChatGPT to replace that particular person uh, for that higher level thinking. But there will be a time, there will be a time where you will. They just, that's how it's going to be, right? Everything's going to evolve to that point and AI is going to eat a lot of our jobs. Uh, but that concept of what worked, what didn't, what's next will help us navigate through it. We'll all be doing different things, but we're using AI to assist it. Um, and since I think there's a lot of people going through that stuff right now. Um, so that's sort of how, how we're 
we're kind of tying it all together to to find the individuals and help them grow. And I think that what works, what didn't, what's next uh, methodology, just constantly doing that. We literally put it in our budget process every week when we're doing our forecast and matching against our forecast of, you know, okay, what worked this week? What didn't work this week? What's next, right, for the next coming weeks as we look ahead? And that has helped us uh, a tremendous amount. So I guess, you know, as any, you know, the, the kind of final thoughts, that's kind of from me, you know, I'll let you sort of wrap it up as we finish up this topic. Yeah, no, I, I'm loving this topic. Uh, I don't know if I have any final thoughts because ultimately the thing is you need to have some kind of indicator that change ne is needed. You can either do it, you can either have a hard trigger or you can have a soft trigger. I think that the harder the trigger, the more you're reactionary and the harder it is to implement because it's always like shifting courses. So you don't want to have so many hard triggers that you never actually do the thing that you're good at, right? So if you're always switching gears or switching focus, you probably won't be very successful at all because you're always looking for the next thing, not riding the current thing, right? So um, there's the Boston Consulting Group matrix that I show every single person that I do coaching with. And there's four quadrants. There's high growth, high market share, low growth, low market share. Um, you can, we'll put it in the notes, the Boston Consulting Group matrix. I think I've talked about it before, but ultimately, your stars are the things that are that are doing really well right now. Um, then there's these things that are called unknowns, and it means that there's a potential for a huge market share, but there's nobody really doing it yet, and, and we're getting to that point. That's really you make your investment in. So you can research things that are going to be the future. I wouldn't waste a lot of time researching things that don't have a big enough market that they're going to matter. So don't waste your time barking up the wrong tree, right? So don't switch gears all the time because you have a new fad. Grass is always greener on the other side. You will have no momentum whatsoever. Ride the hot hand as much as you can and then do research and development for what you believe might be the future. That's really where I would focus my time. And the other thing I would say is don't be, you know, this is a, this is a story that I'm going to end this on. And that is the, the, you know, there's this pot of water, right? And you have it on your burner and you have it on high and it's at, let's say it hundred degrees, right? You start out and then a frog jumps into it. And then the temperature goes up to 101, 105, 110, you know, one degree at a time. And that frog doesn't jump out because it doesn't think that the temperature is that bad in that pot of water. But eventually the frog dies because it reaches its boiling point. And so don't be the frog in the boiling po boiling pot where you just let one degree temperature be the what does you in. You have to have some kind of indicator as to what you are, where you're going to go. So if you're too comfortable, you will be that old dog and it might be too late to learn the new tricks. And that's really what we're trying to get ahead of here. Use data to give you the indicator. Don't make data so you know, volatile that you change your mind every two seconds, but use it in a way that you can start to see, is this trend happening? You can't see trends on one day. One day is too overreactionary. A week is almost too overreactionary. A month might not be enough data, but when you look at a quarter or year over year, you absolutely need to look at it at that interval to decide if you need to make a change or not. So I think that things, they don't change daily ever, but if you look at like a Google Analytics report, if you look at it year over year or even quarterly, you can see trends. You need enough data to see a trend. But once you see that trend, you need to get ahead of it. And otherwise, you will be that old dog. So that is it for this episode. Thank you for listening and thank you for sharing if you thought this was something that hit home to you. And if you are somebody who maybe you feel like you're an old dog and this podcast has helped you learn some new tricks, get some inspiration, get some things that you're working on. I would love it if you would leave us a review um, wherever you listen to podcasts. Let us know that you like what we're talking about. Send us an email, whatever it is. And thank you for listening to Business Unfiltered once again, and we'll see you in our next episode. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Business Unfiltered with your hosts, Mercer and Jeff Sauer. 
sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and tell a friend what you've learned today. Want to connect? Visit us at businessunfiltered.fm. This has been Business Unfiltered. Always unapologetically honest.